We're already in uh, chapter 21 this morning, uh, and I'm going to finish the whole book. Um, we, we left off there in verse 9, and up until this point, we've seen John. I mean, here's John. He, he receives it as one whole vision. Keep in mind that that is John receiving this vision. He's not receiving it uh, for an hour and a half every Sunday morning for a couple months. He receives it as one whole experience, one vision all at once. Like, man, for me, it's hard to take in, you know, one hour, an hour and a half every week. I'm like, man, I get impacted. I'm like, man, Lord, hold on. I'm too fast. Right now, imagine John as he's receiving this all at once, right? His heart's probably pounding out of his, out of his chest like in the cartoons, right? Boom, 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 boom. And, and here he is just excited, just uh, terrified, uh, just uh, all these different things that, that are going on through, through the heart and mind of, of the Apostle John um, as, as he's seen these things, as he's seen the glory of God. And, and now, you know, as up until this point, he's seen uh, uh, the Lord speak to his church. He's seen uh, the, 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 the scroll open up and, and seven seals of judgment be poured out on the earth. You've seen seven bowl judgments, seven trumpet judgments. You've seen uh, the, the rise and the fall of the Antichrist, uh, of the false prophet, of that false religion known as uh, the Babylon, uh, of the dragon Satan. Uh, John the Apostle has seen all these things. He's seen the rise and fall of these things. He's seen uh, the Satan condemned, judge, and sent to the lake of fire for all eternity. He's seen a glimpse of, 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 of Jesus' millennial reign here on earth and, and the believers reigning with them. Now he's, seeing, now he's getting a glimpse into heaven, right? And, and uh, he's getting a glimpse into now the white throne judgment, seeing sin judge one for all. He's seen people, actual souls being thrown into hell, right? Being sent to hell for the decision and the rejection of Christ. Here, here, uh, here while, while they were here on earth, now he saw all things made new, and now he's seeing this new heaven, this new earth. And now we pick it up in verse 9 as John is not going to see the new city, the new Jerusalem. Heavy, heavy, heavy. And so it goes, off to, it goes on to say there in verse 9 it says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled, uh, filled them with the seven last plagues came to me and talked, and talked with me, and saying, Come, and I'm going to show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And also she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the 12 gates and the names and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel and three gates on the east. Three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And so John, now, as he's seen all things made new, now he sees now the new city, the new Jerusalem. Keep in mind that, that, that John is familiar with Jerusalem, right? He grew up there in Judea. Uh, he, he, was, he was in Jerusalem. He was in Judea when, when the Lord Jesus called them, right? He was familiar with, uh, with going to Jerusalem to, to, to offer these, these yearly sacrifices and these sacrifices every few months. He knew the city. Right for for the Jew, uh, Jerusalem was uh, what the Mecca is to, 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 the, to the Arab, right? I mean, it was the hub. It was the central focus point. Remember when, when the church was first birthed, they were at Jerusalem, and it was from Jerusalem that they were all scattered. So they, they had this longing for Jerusalem. Uh, the, the the Jews to this day have this saying. They say uh, today here, tomorrow in Jerusalem. Meaning, it's like they all look forward to this one day where they could gather again in Jerusalem and worship the Lord. Now here's John. He's seen. A new city, the new Jerusalem, right? And he described it as the bride, you know, the Lamb's wife, because in this new city is, is going to contain uh, the, all the believers, right? It's where all the believers are going to be worshiping the Lord from forever and ever. And so he describes it as the bride, the Lamb's wife. 
So he goes on to say that he sees this city and he begins to describe the walls of the city. Right? He said that, that they were uh, great and high walls with 12 gates. And notice that that he sees 12 angels at these 12 gates. <coughs> Sorry. And names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. He goes on to say there in verse 14, he says, Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were, were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, its walls, and the city is laid out as a square. Its length is, is as a great is as great as its breadth, and its me- and it, and as he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs, its length, breadth, and height are equal. And verse seventeen says, then he measured its wall one hundred and forty and forty four cubits according to the measure of a man, that is of an angel. And the construction of the wall is uh, was of jasper, and the city was pure was of pure gold like clear glass. And he says, the foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was, was jasper, the second sapphire, the third cassadini, uh, uh, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardon- sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh crystallite, the eighth uh, uh, beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth crystophase, the eleventh jackanath, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve... Uh, in the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was one pearl, and the street in the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Amazing, and we see that as John is seen, as John is seen now, the the, the the city, as John is seen now, this this great city, this great city, he he begins to describe it. Notice how it says that it had twelve foundations, and on them were written the name of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Now, that's interesting. It's interesting because uh, we see that 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 that, that uh, even today, right? Uh, there's many different people who call themselves apostles. <laughs> there's many different people who have given themselves uh, 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 the, the title of apostle. They have self-titled themselves of apostles. They go speak at churches. Now, I'm not knocking this, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm knocking. I'm not, but but we see that that you know they they they, they uh, ask to be referred to as apostle. They ask to be given a certain uh, measure of like dignity or respect. As title of an apostle, right? And and, and and they and and a lot of these people, you know, they, they they tend to claim that that the Lord has given them this office of apostle. And really, uh, us as we study the Bible, we see that that the Bible talks about twenty one gifts of the Holy Spirit, and one of these one of these gifts is the gift of apostleship, which is equal to uh, the missionary. And really, the, the the word apostle means sent one, right? One whom God has sent. And so we see that 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 that, uh, that the Bible talks about the gift of apostleship, and really is the gift of a missionary. And, and the gift of, of apostleship is the gift of the Holy Spirit, whom the Holy Spirit gives to certain members of the body of Christ to go and to minister the gospel of Christ, to minister Jesus Christ in a culture that is not their own, in such a way that people would hear and they would receive it in, in an effective way. Right. So that's a gift of apostleship. That's a gift of a missionary. Right. That, that's what it means. Sent one. Now, the office. Of the apostle died along with the twelve apostles, right? The office of the apostle, and and, and so, but, but interesting that that there's guys you know who call themselves apostle and they they take on this office of apostle, right? And I remember I was talking to one guy at work and who who had, had given him this himself the title of apostle and you know and his ministry was to go to different churches and go speak at these different churches, right? To give money, whatever, and uh, but he would give himself the title of apostle and when I would talk to him, 
he would like to be recorded or referred to as a, as, as apostle. And uh, you know, and my question to him was, well, which one of the twelve disciples or which one of the twelve apostles did you replace? Right? Because here it says that in the city, in the new city, the new Jerusalem, we're told that that it had twelve foundations, and on these twelve foundations, it had the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And so that was my question to him. Well, which one of the twelve did you replace? Which one of the, the foundations do you have your name written on? Right? Again, because the gift of, the, of apostleship is active in the church today, right? It's the gift of the Holy Spirit, but the office of the apostle has ceased with the twelve apostles. Same thing like, uh, like, like uh, the, the, with the gift of prophecy, right? And, and the office of the prophet. We believe, like the Bible teaches, that the gift of, of prophecy exists and is active in the church today, right? It's one of the 21 gifts of the Holy Spirit, the, the gift of, of prophecy. And, and, and no doubt uh, the Holy Spirit has gifted certain individuals in the body of Christ with this gift of prophecy in order to, to speak forth uh, 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 God's word, right? But we see that the, the office of the prophet you know, ceased with the last living prophet, which was the, uh, the prophet uh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets. Now, interesting that that that, that John the that John the, the Baptist being the last of, of the of the living prophets, the last of the Old Testament prophets. Interesting what, what, what the Lord said about John the about, about John the Baptist. He said this in the Gospel of Matthew. The Lord said about John the Baptist. He said, "Among those born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist." Meaning that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet who ever lived. Greater than Moses, greater than Ezekiel, greater than than, than, than Elijah, greater than Eli, uh, uh, Elisha, greater than Abraham, greater than Enoch, greater than uh, than Jeremiah, greater than all the prophets who ever lived. John the Baptist was the greatest prophet who ever lived. And then Jesus said this to the disciples. He says, "But surely I tell you this: that the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him." Now tell me, because he's saying that John the Baptist is the greatest apostle who ever lived. But yet the, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than the greatest apostle who ever lived. Why? John, John the Baptist was the greatest uh, prophet who ever lived because he was given the task of, of announcing uh, the, 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 the Messiah. Jesus Christ, right? The, 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 the Lamb of God. He got, to live, uh, he, he got to live to see these promises fulfilled. All the other Old Testament prophets looked forward to this promise. All the other Old Testament prophets, you know, were, were, were looking forward to it. They, they died and they never saw the promise come to be. John the Baptist was the forerunner. He said, remember his ministry was when they told him, who are you? He says, I'm just a, a voice in the wilderness saying, hey, make straight the path of the Lord. Right? The king is coming. And he got to, one, announce it and also see it fulfilled in his own lifetime. And so he was the greatest prophet who ever lived. But he was still a prophet under the Old Testament. And so when he died, he died under the Old Covenant. He died not, not under the New Covenant, which is uh, by the blood of the Lamb. And so that is why, why, why the Lord told, told the disciples, hey, even the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. Because the least in the kingdom of heaven is under the New Covenant, that covenant made by blood, by, by, by the blood of the, of the Lamb and, and, and by the sacrifice of His body on the cross. And so that, that's all to say that, that, again, that we believe in the gift of apostleship. We, live, we believe in the gift of, of prophecy. But as far as the office of apostle, as far as the office of, of prophet, it ceased with the last prophet and it ceased with the last apostles. And so notice that, that John said that he sees these 12 foundations and on them are written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, if you guys recall that uh, one of the apostles, you know, <laughs> died, he committed suicide. Right, Judas who betrayed 
Jesus. And now, as we went through the book of Acts, we, we, we read how, how the apostles, they, 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 uh, they cast lots in order to pick another apostle, right? And they chose Matthias among them. And, but we see that, that really it was, uh, it was the apostle Paul who was supposed to replace that, that, that 12th apostle. And so a lot of people have the question, well, who's the 12th? Is Judas' name on here? No, Judas' name is not here in these foundations, but the Apostle Paul's is because he's that 12th Apostle whom the Lord recognizes. And so it goes on to say, uh, as he's describing the city, he gives uh, uh, the measurement. He sees, that he's, he sees an angel, and the angel pulls out a long uh, measuring tape and begins to measure the walls of the city. And then he says that, that the city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as, as, as its width. And he says that he measured the city with a reed, and it was 12,000 furlongs. Now, 12,000 furlongs uh, translated to, to our standard of measurement is about 1,500 miles. And so, as John has seen the angel uh, measure this wall, he sees that, that it measures, he says that it measures about 1,500 miles long, wide, deep, tall, right? He says that it was a cube, it was a square, so, so each, one of the, each one of the measurements were, were equal. So it was a huge square. Now, just to give you kind of an idea of how, how long that is, from here to LA to Washington DC, which is uh, from one point of the map to the other point of the map, is about 2,000, is about 2,400 miles. And so maybe halfway point would be about 1,500 miles. And so that's how long one of the walls of the city was. That's how thick one of the walls was. That's how tall you know, uh, the, the, the walls were. Just to give you an idea of, of the size of the city, this new Jerusalem there in heaven. It's huge, it's humongous. And so he goes on to say, as he's describing the, 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 the various uh, building materials in this wall, he says that they were uh, that the walls were, were like were like of jasper. It was a jasper. It was a, it was a pure gold, like clear glass. And he begins to describe all these different types of, of stones that were used there, right, in the building of, of this of this new city, the New Jerusalem. And then he goes on to describe now the glory of the of the city. He describes the building of the city, and now he describes the glory of the city. There in verse 22, it says, "But I saw no temple in it." For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who, who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gate shall not be shut at all by day. And it says, there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the, glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall be by no means... Uh, but there shall by no means enter it, enter it anything that defiles or anything that causes abomination or a liar, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so as, as John is describing now the outer walls, he's describing now what he sees, what he sees on the inside. He says that he, that he sees uh, just this glorious, uh, glorious sight. He notices that, that as he looks into the wall, he says, hey, there was no temple in it. Now for the Jew, he is used to, he, he is used to, to seeing the new city of Jerusalem. He's used to seeing the city of Jerusalem and going into the city of Jerusalem, right, once a year uh, uh, in this pilgrimage to go sacrifice in the temple. But as John looks at the city, he says, hey man, this, is, this, this Jerusalem wasn't like the earthly Jerusalem. It's because there was no temple in it, right? Because why? Because there's no need for this, for this sacrificial system anymore. There's no need for, for believers to come and to sacrifice at the temple to worship God, to worship God at the temple. Why? Because that, that, that now that the glory of the Lord inhabits the temple. The glory of the Lord uh, in, in, in inhabit this temple and, and, and inhabit the, the, the believers there as well. It says that there's no light, right? There's no sun, 
There, there's no sun to shine. There's no moon to shine. Why? For the glory of God illuminates it. And when it, when it talks about this glory of God just shining, right, as, as a sun, as shining as a moon, it's talking about this, this Shekinah glory of God, the same Shekinah glory of God that, that Moses saw in the Old Testament. Are you familiar with the story? Now we're told that, that, that Moses there in the book of Exodus, we're told that you know, he was just so fascinated by the Lord, and he said, Lord, I want to see your face. Lord, I want to see your face. And the Lord told him, no way, Moses, you're going to die. You'll die if you see my face. He said, you'll die if you see my glory. If I'll let you see the backside of my glory. And so we're told that, 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 the, that the Lord allowed Moses to see the backside of his glory. And we're told that as he was up in the mountain, he was seeing the backside of God's glory. We're told that he came down and his face was shining. And everyone was looking at him. And, they, and it's like this, 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 this radiance was just kind of coming from, from him, right? As his face was just shining as he was in there in the presence of God. Now that was just the backside of God's glory. Now imagine just how much, uh, how much more brighter it's going to be when all of God's glory is shining at its fullest there in this new city. We're going to be able to be in the presence of it because we're going to be given, we're going to be given new bodies, right? New bodies where we're going to be able to withstand uh, being in the glory of God. Why? Because we're going to, there's going to be no more sin in us, right? There's going to be uh, no more abominations, no more, no more things that, no more of these things that hinder us from experiencing God to His fullness. All right, we're going to be in the full glory of God, and, and we're going to need no, we're going to have no need to fear. It's going to be like, 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 like in the garden, right? Like how it was meant to be from the very beginning. How Adam and Eve, how they just, uh, they dwelled with God there in the garden, right? With no fear of God, no, uh, no, no need to hide from God before sin, right? They were just one with the Lord, right? Uh, and God's presence would just inhabit the garden. And so that's how it's going to be in heaven. They're in that new city. You notice what it says? It says, the land is its light. It says, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. And it says, its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall be by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an, an abomination or a lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Meaning only those who are forgiven. Right? There's going to be no more sin up in heaven. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be like. Right? I mean, this, this is something that's like a huge question mark for me. But it's something I, I ask the Lord. I'm like, Lord, but what if I get tempted up there? Lord, what if I'm there in your glory? And Lord, you know me. I'm just I'm sinful. And Lord, what... And, and, and I'm trying to understand and trying to grasp this concept of, this concept, this concept of there's, no, there's going to be no more temptation. There's going to be no more sin. There's going to be no more, you know, any of these things, right? We're going to be given a perfect body. And, and, and me, I'm just in my, in my finite understanding. I'm like, Lord, how's it going to be? I can't picture myself not failing you, Lord. I can't picture myself not sinning against you, Lord. I can't picture myself not falling short. But God says, hey, look, there's going to be... Uh, uh, an, Anything that defiles, there's not going to be anything that defiles there, you know, causes abomination or lies. For only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that's us. Us who are forgiven, right? I don't understand it. Um, it's going to take, you know, our glorified bodies in order for us to really understand it and grasp it fully. And that's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to wait. Uh, um, this is enough for me. If God promised it, then it's enough for, for, for me to hold on to and to believe and to trust in it. And so it goes on to say there in chapter 22 now. He says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life. He says, clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. He says, and in the middle of its street and on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, 
uh, and they need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And so, uh, as John describes the, 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 the outer, the exterior appearance of the, of the city, then he describes what he sees, the glory of the city, and then he describes now what he's seen in the city. He says, hey, he says, I saw this pure river of water of life. Right. And then he says, I see, I, I also saw the tree of life. What John is describing now is, is this everlasting life. Right? He's seen these, these tangible things, the river of life, this tree of life. And really what, what he's describing is this eternal life. Right? And he says that, that, that this tree of life is giving its fruit. It says, uh, it, says it gives its fruit uh, every month. It says, right? It says it, 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 it bears its 12 fruits and it, it yields its, its fruit every month. Now, there's no time in heaven. Time doesn't exist in heaven, but this is uh, John, you know, describing it to the best of his ability with his finite human understanding. He says, he's saying, man, it just keeps on bearing fruit, right? John is used to seeing agriculture and seeing, well, uh, trees give fruit in this season, but when the season is over, it doesn't get fruit. And so John, what John is saying is that, hey, the fruit on it never goes out. It just continues to give on fruit for eternity. That's what John is saying. When he says that it gives fruit every single month, he's saying it gives fruit nonstop, right? There's no more seasons. There's no more suns. There, 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 there's no more moon. There's no more, uh, there's no more season, right? It just, it's an everlasting fruit describing everlasting life. So he sees the tree of life. He sees the river of life. And so he's describing this everlasting life. Interesting that there in the book of Genesis is when we first hear about this tree of life. If, you, if you're familiar with the story, uh, after Adam and Eve sinned, we're told that, 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 that the Lord uh, put angels there guarding the tree of life. He says, lest they eat also from the tree of life. After they had eaten from, 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 from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right, we're told that, 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 that all of a sudden death enter, entered into them. They began to deteriorate. And we're told that the Lord guarded the tree of life now. He says, lest they eat also of the tree of life. And really we see that, that it was God's mercy, right? And guarding them from eating of the tree of life. Because imagine them, their bodies decaying. Right now, death entered entered into them. Their bodies decaying, uh, a disease entering into the body. Uh, uh, their bones growing, 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 growing weak. Their bodies growing weak, but you just just never never being being able to die. Right, that would have been torture. Right, and God didn't want to torture Adam and Eve. God didn't want to torture humanity, so He cut off access to the tree of life. Right, sparing them from 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 any more pain, sparing them from from any more suffering. And so we're told that it was cut off, but now it appears again now in heaven. This full access, free access to this tree of life, right? For all eternity. And then he says this there in verse 6. It says, Then he said to me, it says, These words are faithful and they're true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Not the things which will eventually take place, not the things which will hopefully take place, but he says, These things which must shortly take place. And he says in verse 7, Now the Lord speaking, he says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy and of this book. Now, as we read this, keep in mind again that John, as he received his vision, he received it, you know, all at once. There was no positive for him, right? He didn't go in for an hour and a half every Sunday and, and, re and, and receive more revelation. No, 
he was taken up in the spirit and he was shown this revelation all at once. He saw it from the very beginning to the very end. From the very beginning, he saw the Lord speak to him. The Lord, the Lord addressed the church. He saw, uh, uh, he started weeping because he knew that that no one could open the scroll. He saw the Lamb of God open the scroll. He saw the, all these different plagues come, and judgments come upon the earth. He saw uh, the nation's judge, the king's judge. He saw the, the Antichrist, the, 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 the false prophet, uh, 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 Satan, the dragon, uh, the, and then this false religious system, Babylon, judged all at once. Right? He saw the millennial reign of Christ. He got a glimpse of the white throne judgment. He, he got a glimpse of, of, of now of heaven. And so as he sees all these things, then, he, then he's hearing the Lord say, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book, meaning the book of Revelation. You could just imagine what was going through the heart and the mind of John at that very moment. After just being hit with all these uh, just amazing things that he saw, there's judgment, all these different things. All of a sudden, he sees the Lord. He hears the Lord say, "Hey, I'm coming quick with this." Man, it would have just sparked and it would, it, would, it would have just birthed in his heart this 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 sense of urgency, right? And and, and the sense of just wanting to, to remain pure, the sense of urgency to tell others, and and the sense of urgency to, to just uh, to remain pure, right? Because this is going to happen, and, and and really we see that 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 it's like the point is this that because of all we have. Uh, because of all we now know up until this point It's like a call to action Right, it's like Alright, after reading every single thing that we read Ever since chapter 1 It's like now With the Lord's word saying Behold, I'm coming quickly It's a call to action For us as believers It's a call to, hey man Keep watch Stay faithful Continue to persevere Don't grow weary Don't hold back now Right, don't backslide now It's like, man, it's like continue persevering It's a call to action for the believer because the Lord says, I'm coming quickly. After seeing all these things, all these horrible things and all these glorious things, He says, I am coming quickly. He says, blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. And verse 8 says, now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and I saw, He says, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, the angel said to me, see that you don't do that. He says, for I'm your fellow servant. And of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this, of this book. And he says, hey, worship God. Now, this is the second time that, that, that John falls to this face to worship an angel. And I don't knock him. Right? Before, I, I, used to, I used to say, man, John, he doesn't get it or whatever. But I don't knock him. Because now understanding, now going through the, the, the book of Revelation, you know, verse by verse, and seeing all these things, and trying to put myself in John's shoes, and, and, and seeing all these things that John saw, the glorious things, all the magnificent things, all the horrible things. Right, seeing this, this beast come up out of the sea, this beast come up out of the land, seeing all, all the, the earth devour, all these different plagues, seeing so much, so much death, right? Seeing all these things, and all of a sudden, now seeing the Lord in this new city, the new Jerusalem. It's like, man, John, John had, it's like his inclination was to worship, right? Worship God for, for all these magnificent things that he just saw. And really, it should, be, it should be our inclination as well as we read through the book of Revelation, as we see all these things that are going to happen, and as we recognize and we, and, 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 we, and, we, and we establish a firm in our hearts that the Lord says, Behold, I'm coming quickly with all of this. Like, man, our inclination should be to worship God. And so that was John's inclination. He's like, man, I got to worship, I got to worship. And so he began to just worship his angel, right? It's like he just didn't know what else to do. He was just above himself. He was just overwhelmed. He began to just worship. But he worships his angel And the angel says Hey man don't do that He says I'm like you I'm just a fellow servant Right And I'm of your brethren The prophets Of those who keep the words Of this book And he says Worship God And so as we go through 
the book of Revelation as we just ponder on every single thing that we that we studied, that we read, that was taught, right? And, and as you just, just, just think about these things, hey, our natural inclination as believers should be to worship God. Lord, thank you so much for this. Lord, thank you that you're going to spare me from this. But Lord, thank you because uh, this isn't where it ends. Lord, thank you because there's going to be an end to all this. Thank you because sin is going to be judged. Thank you, Lord, because one day, Lord, you're going to give us these new bodies. We're not, we're not going to battle with sin anymore. We're not going to battle with our thoughts. We're not, we're not going to battle with our sinful heart. We're not going to battle with temptation. Lord, thank you. All right, we're not going to battle with disease. We're not going to battle with hurt. We're not going to battle with achy bones. We're not going to battle with... Uh, man, having to get up every morning, go to work, and and, and 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 work by the sweat of our brow. Like, man, Lord, thank you for all these things. You know, Lord, I'm gonna worship you for all these things. Right? That should be the inclination of the believer as we really just settle this in our heart that this is gonna happen. And so he goes on to say uh, there in verse 10, he says, And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He says, He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He says, he who is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. But notice what he says. He gives this stern, direct, firm instruction. He says, John, he says, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book. I mean, do not seal the words of the prophecy of the book of Revelation. Do not seal the, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Everything that we read from chapter 1 up until the very last verse, he says, hey, don't seal this up. Amazingly and interestingly, that this is the book in which is mostly sealed, right? I mean, how many churches do you know, apart from you know the family church that we belong to, that actually read the book of Revelation, that actually teach the book of Revelation, that actually uh, encourage the reading and the teaching of the book of Revelation, that actually encourage uh, the believers and the church to add the book of Revelation to your normal daily uh, devotional life, right? It's rare. In reality, it's rare. It's rare that, that, that a church is teaching the book of Revelation. Right? We're the minority of, of churches that, that are actually teaching the book of Revelation and encouraged to read the book of Revelation. We're the minority. But yet, you remember the, the promise in the, in the very beginning, in the very first chapter. Right? What was the promise? Blessed is he who hears the book of, 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 of this prophecy. Blessed is he who, who hears the words of this book, who reads the words of this, of this book, right? And who teaches it. And that's us. And yet, interesting that the book of Revelation is the only book that promises a blessing to the reader, to the hearer. But yet, it's a book which is less read and less heard, less taught. And then in the, in the very end, man, John is given this strict, stern, firm warning. He says, do not seal the words of this prophecy of the book, for the time is at hand. And yet, we see in the church... That the, the book of Revelation is the, one, is the one book of the Bible that is mostly sealed, that is mostly kept, that is mostly obscured, that is mostly ignored, right? I've heard popular TV preachers and popular guys whom, you know, if, if I were sitting in here, oh, I know that guy, I've heard that guy, oh, the guy too, who, have, who, who say that, hey, the, the, the stuff in the book of Revelation is allegorical, it's not for the new believer, they, it's been labeled as uh, just apocalyptic uh, poetry, uh, uh, it's not something that, that that's to be enjoyed by the believers. It's not something that's to be understood. It's not something to, that, 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 that that's that's to be read, taught. Right? It's just apocalyptic uh, literature, and that's it. Right? No application. No 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 encouragement for the believer. We have no 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 uh, no business being in it. And yet the Lord Himself tells us, "Hey, do not seal the word to this book. Why? For the time is at hand." And so we see that that that, that God's purpose in giving us. The book of Revelation is one, to reveal Jesus Christ, 
mainly, but also to warn us, to give us a heads up, because the time is at hand. Not the time is coming, but really the time is at hand, meaning it's this close. Literally, when we read at hand, it's this close. It's as close as me just doing this to you, handing it off. It's that close, it's like, man, really? I know that I know that this was written about 2,000 years ago, right around 90 AD, and, and, and some time has passed since, since since this has been written. And it says, and the Lord says, "Hey, I'm coming quickly." And He says, "Hey, the time is at hand." And you may think, "Man, they've been saying that forever, right?" I was listening to to Pastor Chuck study here in the C2000 from like 1980 something, and he was saying, "Hey, the Lord, the Lord is coming like tomorrow." And I thought, "Man, a lot of time has passed since then, right?" And a lot of people uh, passed away, and and, and and they didn't see the Lord come for His church. Uh, and it's like every single generation, I believe, says, I believe that this is going to be the generation when the Lord comes back and, uh, uh, to rapture His church. And I believe that, that, that I'm living in the generation, that this is a generation in which God is going to come back and, and rapture His church. Right? But even if, if I die and, and this isn't the generation, amen, I die knowing that, hey, look, <laughs> that, that, that the Lord's time is at hand. The Bible tells us in First Peter that, that for the Lord, hey, a, a day is like a thousand years and a, and a thousand years is like a day. Right? Who are we to put this timeline on the Lord and say, all right, Lord, hurry up. Right? But the Lord says, hey, the time is at hand. And if the Lord has, has stalled in any way or, or, or has prolonged it, it's because of His mercy. And it's because there's still people who, who need to be saved. Family members, friends, loved ones who yet don't know the Lord. Right? Who, in whom the Lord has been uh, gracious and merciful to. Extending this mercy, right? And He says, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, then be holy still. Meaning, the idea is, I mean, after somebody has read this, and if, they, if, if someone has read and studied this, and, they still, and they're still unjust, they're going to continue to be unjust. If someone has read this and studied this, and they're still continuing to live a life of filthiness, they're going to continue to be filthy. If someone has read and studied this, and they continue to live a life of, 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 of unrighteousness, of, 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 uh, of just of all these things, hey man, is, is the book of Revelation... Can't get, you know, doesn't grab someone's attention and say, hey, look, man, all these things are going to happen. All these things are going to happen. God's coming soon. He said it himself. Hey, the time is at hand. And if a person after reading this is still living in their habitual, sinful, filthy lifestyle, then what then with the Lord is saying, hey, then he's just gonna, probably going to remain that way. <laughs> right? If not, even though, if not even, you know, this can get to them. And then he says this, the Lord speaking now in verse 12, he says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. To give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now we know that, 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 that the Lord promises a reward for, for, for our labors. Right? We know that nothing that, that is done in the Lord is in vain. We don't do it for the reward. But we know that, hey man, that, 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 we, that we do, it doesn't go unseen. You get to the church an hour early before anybody even sees you to set up chairs or to mop the floor or to clean the toilets. And no one ever sees you. You never get a pat on the back and, and a thank you for your service. Know that the Lord is coming with His reward. He says to give to everyone according to His work. I love that. I love that. Because there's so many things that, that go unseen. And you might feel like you go unseen in the church. Like, man, no one appreciates me. Man, you know, they're going to miss me when I'm gone. And they're going to miss me doing this or whatever. Or, oh man, what I'm doing is not such a big deal. However you may feel about ministry. I love that the Lord says, hey, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me, right? To give to everyone according to his work. It's a reward. It's not a punishment. This is a, a, a part, part of what we know as, as, a, as the Bema Seat, the Bema Seat judgment, meaning this reward ceremony where the Lord is going to reward us for our works, for him, for our endeavors, you know, unto the Lord. I love that. 
I love that because to the Lord, not one thing goes unseen. Right? That cup of water you gave to someone who was thirsty as you were getting off the freeway. Hey, man, that uh, couple bucks, that, 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 that meal you brought for, for that homeless guy, you know, who was hungry. Hey, none of that stuff goes unseen. Right? The Lord sees it all. He says, hey, look, I'm going to reward you for all that. And he says this in verse 14. He says, blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outsiders are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. What is that? Whoever loves and practices a lie. And so he says, blessed are those who do his commandments, you know, that they may, that they may have the right to the tree of life. He says, but, but outsiders, on the outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral. Now, this phrase dogs, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an old school uh, Middle Eastern phrase. Right? I think they use it like in Mexico too in Spanish. Oh, better. Like, it's this phrase, of, it's, a, it's like this term of just, uh, it's like this derogatory term. You, know, you call someone a dog who's, who's, who you know to be just this scoundrel, unfaithful, kind of uh, just garbage of a person. Like, ah, that's just a dog. He's a filthy dog. Right? And so, and so keep in mind you know, that this is a, it, it, we're reading this in the context of, of, you know, of old uh, Middle Eastern uh, uh, culture. And so he's saying, man, outside are those dogs, I mean, those unfaithful, those filthy, those just unrighteous people. He's in sorcerers, for those who practice witchcraft. He's in sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters. He's in whoever loves and practices a lie. Pretty much whoever has rejected you know, uh, uh, Jesus Christ from reigning in their life. And those who practice those things have, have rejected Jesus Christ from reigning in their hearts as Savior, as Lord. He's a, he's a man. Those is a, they won't get access right to all this. And he says this in verse 16. Again, now the Lord speaking. He says, And I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. Notice that. Notice that where this message is most needed, <laughs> it's not out there, but it's in the church. That's heavy. Why? Because there's so much hypocrisy in the church. There's so much, there's so much uh, uh, filthiness in the church still. Notice that he says, Hey, I've sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. What, what the Lord is desiring to do is to purify his church to purify the believers right to purify his bride to wash us with the water of his word says i am the i says and then he says i am the root and the offspring of david is the bright and morning star and verse 17 says and the spirit and the bride say come and the and him who hears says come and let him who thirsts come and whoever desires let him take the water of life freely i love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses in the book of Revelation. One of my favorite verses. Why? Uh, because of what it says. It says, hey, the spirit and the bride say, come. We are the bride. We are the bride of Christ. Right? And, and it should be uh, our heart's desire to say, Lord, come. Or Lord, take me. Right? There's a brother here who's always saying, Lord, <laughs> take me home. Take me home. Right? And, and, and us and me sometimes jokingly, I say, no, not yet, not yet. And really, uh, the Lord convicted me of that. And he said, no, it's something that, that, that really we should be desiring, right? And it's really that something that we should not just be desiring, but we should be praying for. And we should say, Lord, come. Come, come from the church. Or Lord, take me. Lord, I want to be with you. Like the Apostle Paul would say, you know, as he was writing to, to the church at, at Philippi, he says, I'm, I'm conflicted. It's because I know that, that, that if I stay, it's, it's better for you. But if I leave, it's better for me. He says, so he's like, I'm, I'm torn between the two because I don't know, you know, for me to, to, die is, to, to, to live as Christ and to die as gain. But I know that that's better for me to stay for your benefit. Right? So I can continue to build you up. He says, but for me, amen, it's better to be with the Lord. Because I would rather be with the Lord any day. 
Right? And, and, and really that should be uh, uh, our mindset as well. That should be our heart as well. That should be uh, our desire as well. Knowing like, all right, man, for us, for me, it's better to be with the Lord, right? I'd rather be with the Lord. But it's like, all right, for the benefit of the believers that I'm here, right? And really it's for the benefit of your family, for the benefit of whatever that you're here. But really our desire is, Lord, take me with you, <laughs> right? Let me go with you, Lord, whenever, whenever, whenever that day is. And then he says this, he says, and let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Now, so notice that this is an open invitation to all who thirst. It doesn't say whoever was predestined to salvation before the foundation of the earth, let him take the water of life freely. No, but it says whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Right? And, and, and there's a school of thought there uh, among, uh, with, within Christianity. You know, known as Reformed Theology or popularly uh, uh, known as, uh, as Calvinism. And really deep Calvinism and deep Reformed Theology teaches that not anybody can just come to the Lord. That you can only come to the Lord if God has already predestined you before the foundation of the world and put it in your heart to come to Him. Right? But if God has not put it in your heart to, to reach out to Him, then, then there's no way you can get saved even if you wanted to. And so... And so Deep Reformed theology, really Reformed theology, uh, uh, in, 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 in by definition, teaches that 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 a, that a person, you know, could could if he cries out to the Lord, but if he hasn't been predestined, then, then there's no salvation for that person. That's what they teach. And so, by default, the person who, with, with that with that theology, with this Reformed theology, and who is and who is teaching this thing or believing this thing, by default, they have to believe that the Lord then, as well as He predestines some to salvation, He predestines some to damnation. And we know that that's not God. We know that that's not the scriptures. Right? The scripture tells, Jesus himself said, he says, hey, let him, let him who thirsts, come. And whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And we, so we see that this invitation to salvation is an open invitation. The Bible tells us that, that, that God's desire is for none to perish. The Bible says that we've all been predestined to salvation. Now, I recognize that now all are going to be saved. Why? Because God has given us this free will. And, and, and he's given us the freedom to exercise our free will however we may please, however we may choose. If somebody wants to exercise this, their free will and reject God, then God is going to allow them. If, God, if someone wants to exercise their free will and surrender their life to Jesus Christ and have him be Lord and Savior of their life and serve him with their whole life and their, every ounce of their being, God's going to allow them. Right? But, 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 but no way is God going to reject somebody who desires to come to him just because they haven't been, quote unquote, predestined. So I, I reject Reformed theology. I reject Calvinism. You know, and, and that's where I stand. And, and really, uh, because I'm a biblicist. Right? I've been asked, are you a Calvinist? Are you a Minionist? Hey man, I'm a, I'm a biblicist. I believe what the Bible teaches. I don't lean towards one end of the spectrum or the other end of the spectrum. And more than that, I don't follow one man's theology. Right? And, and, and I take this uh, very, very seriously because I've seen people get lost in this stuff. Right? Either way, I've, I've, I've seen people get lost into it or get lost out of it because they think oh well, maybe that wasn't predestined and they just man walked away I think no God's desire is for none to perish and the Bible says hey all those who desire and who are thirsty let them come and take of that water of life freely right and so that's what the Bible teaches and so I, I, I believe that that uh, you know the, the reformers they did an, uh, of course a great job I mean here I am standing on the shoulders of the reformers and, and saying you know that I reject reformed theology and, and this is not to to, to uh, disrespect them at all because you know they reformed from Catholicism and that's something that we have to keep in mind that the reformers the, the, ref, 
the Reformation was a Reformation from Roman Catholicism. And but what, what a lot of people who, who are deep into Reformed theology you know, don't uh, take into consideration is that they believe that, that, the, that this work of Reformation was done with the Reformers. And really, uh, it, it, it continues on. A lot of the Reformers died being uh, anti-Semitic, anti right? Because at the time that they died, Israel was not yet a nation. Martin Luther himself was an anti-Semitic. He rejected the, the, the Jewish nation, right? He believed that, 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 God, that God was done with the Jewish nation, right? He believed that the, that, that the promises for the Jews were, were, have, have now been passed over to the church, right? Because at that time, Israel was not a nation anymore. But what happened in 1948, I believe it was, someone could correct me, is that all of a sudden, Israel becomes a nation. And what happened to all that theology? <laughs> Stuff had to be rewritten. Right? And, so, and so while the Lord used his reformers right, to bring about a reformation from Roman Catholicism, it wasn't a finished work. Right? And so, and so I, 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 that, that's one of the reasons why I reject reformed theology at its core, because it wasn't a finished work. Right? I, I admire it. I'm thankful for it. Right? The Protestant Reformation. But I, I reject some of his teachings, like, like this one, for instance, you know, that only certain individuals can come to the Lord if they've been predestined from the foundation of the earth. And if somebody has... Uh, has not been predestined, but you know they want to walk with Christ, that they're going to be rejected. That's not true. That's not true. And so the Scripture says that the, the Spirit, that the Spirit and the Bride say, "Come," and that he who hears says, "Come." It says, "And let him who thirsts come." God is not a God who's going to reject anybody who comes to Him thirsty, thirsty for more, thirsty for, for for something else in this life. That is not our God. You know, God is a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's a just God. He's a fair God. He's a just God. He says, and whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And then he gives this warning. In verse 18, he says, for I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. That's the book of Revelation. He says, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. He says, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Stern warning. Really, it's a condemnation to anybody who would alter the words of the, of the book of Revelation, but more than that, the whole Bible. Right? There's a, I'm taking a jab at everyone today. There's, there's, there's a cult known as the Jehovah's Witnesses who love to quote this scripture. And, you, and, and as you're talking to them and they're spitting out their theology, they, one of the things that, that they'll say, if, you're, if, you, if you last about 15 minutes in a conversation with them, one of the things that, that they'll say is like, look, we have the truth. Why would we lie to you? Look, the scripture says is that anybody who adds to the book or takes away from it will be condemned. So why would we lie to you? And that's in, in a, usually about 15, 20 minutes down to the conversation, they'll bring this up. And, 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 and I'll give them this. A lot of the people who are knocking on your doors, they don't know. I mean, they don't know all the, all the, all the changes that, that, that the Watchtower and Track Society has made to the Bible. But the elders know, right? And those guys are going to be held accountable. Because the Lord himself says, hey, I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book that if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone, anyone takes away from the words of this book to this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. Right? But God takes this very seriously. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will by no means pass away. So God takes great importance, great uh, 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 defense when it comes to His Word. The Bible says that God upholds uh, His Word even above His name, right? So there's no messing with this. We take it just as it is. That's why as we were going through the book of Revelation, I was very careful to, <laughs> to teach through every single verse, even the super hard ones. 
Why? Because I want to be diligent, right? To not leave anything out. And it says in verse 20, it says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Awesome. What an amazing end to the book of, of Revelation. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. One of the things that stands out in the, in the last chapter is, again, the urgency. This urgency that is to be birthed, right? The Lord said, hey, I'm coming quickly. Uh, I'm at hand. And he said, he ends with saying, hey, surely I'm coming quickly. So just in case you doubt it, uh, from verse 6 to verse 19, uh, uh, if the Lord really is coming back quickly, he says, hey, surely I am coming quickly. Meaning, hey, you could count on this. God has never lied to us. He's not going to begin today. God has never lied to us. We have... 66 books of the Bible, uh, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, about 1,180-something chapters. And not one of those words, you know, God has lied. He's not going to begin lying right now in verse 20 of the book of Revelation. He says, if I'm coming, he says, I'm coming quickly. So if he has never lied, if he's not a liar, he's not lying about this. You can be sure that God is coming quickly. And really, that should be the, our, the, the cry of our hearts. Lord, come quickly. But more than anything, it should, it should uh, burden us the desire to, to live holy lives before the Lord knowing that man the Lord could come at any time you could come like right now you can come like after service you come like yesterday right and so and it's also birthed in us this, uh, this urgency to really to share the gospel to tell others about the Lord why because once this thing kicks off I mean man it's going to be hard for them it's going to be hard for those who are left behind but more than anything you know, it, should, it should birth in us also this desire to persevere in the things of the Lord to continue to walk with the Lord with this just fervency, right? With this uh, perseverance, desiring to just please the Lord, knowing that, man, when my time comes, whether I go to be with Him or whether He comes for us, we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest of your Lord. I want to go I want to go to heaven knowing that I did everything that the Lord had called me to do. And now, not, something, not more and not less. Amen? Amen? Father, thank you so much, Lord. And Lord, uh, we want to just say, Lord, come, Lord Jesus. And we want to say, Lord, come quickly. And I want to pray, Lord, for our family members and our friends who are not saved. I pray, Father, God, right now, Lord, that you would just come bring a double dosage of conviction through your Holy Spirit, Lord. And just how your word says that anybody who thirsts, let him come and drink freely of the, of the water of life. I pray, Father, God, for our loved ones who are not saved. I pray that, that, that you would put in them, Lord, this dry mouth or this thirst, this unquenchable thirst for the things of this life. So they can recognize that you are the only one who could quench that thirst. So I pray, Father God, that you would, uh, Lord, that, that you would just put this dryness or this, uh, this, this, this thirst in their lives, Father God, so they could come to you, Lord, and drink of that water of life freely, Lord. We know that you don't force anybody, Lord, but we do know that your desire is for none to perish or for none to be lost. So we pray for them right now, Lord, and I pray, Father God, that you would even use us, Lord, as just uh, faithful witnesses, Lord. Help us to be faithful in the things that you called us to do, Lord, and help us to be faithful in preaching the gospel. And help us to be faithful in just being lights, Lord, wherever you, you, you've called us to be, Lord. And so we just praise you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And we just, uh, Lord, we give you thanks and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome.